who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world in our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, Keegan. Yeah. Can I tell you what I want, what I really, really want? Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want a hat. Uh-huh. I want a hit. Huh? I want to really, really, really want a zig-a-zig. <sighs> Amazing. <laughs> Very good. Did we do a cool, like, intro there? Are we professionals now? Did I don't do know. That? We probably just made half of our audience cringe. <laughs> we were like, ew. So what are we talking about today, Keegan? I have it's no idea. It's a total mystery if people can't figure it out. Uh, we are talking about Spice Girls and feminism uh-huh, today, which uh-huh. is very exciting, I know, for both of us. Yes. I would say that there are probably few things, if anything, I was more obsessed with in the 90s, whenever I was a young girl, than the Spice Girls. I don't think that there was anything that I loved more. I had the sweatshirt. I had the platform shoes. I had the pencil case, the journal, the lollipops, the dolls, the movie. Oh, the movie is epic. Spice World, amazing. Spice World. I Truly a romp. I wore my hair in the two pigtails on the top of my head like mm-hmm, baby mm-hmm. i always wanted so me and my friends would like play spice of girls course, everyone did and i always wanted to be baby but i was a brunette yes yeah and i be. wasn't and i wasn't posh so i had to be sporty and i love sporty but i wanted to be baby i wanted to be the cute one that's so funny everyone wanted to be baby which yeah. i thought was so strange then and i still feel i find it weird now, now but when yeah. i was younger i was like baby is the end all be all it's very funny uh i had two best friends who were sisters so katie and rosie if you're listening listening hi um but katie was blonde mm-hmm. and the youngest and rosie was uh redheaded and then there was me of course so it was like scary ginger baby yeah 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 uh, i uh, was obsessed with them and We're going to talk a little bit about them in relation to feminism uh, today, but if I'm going to share my personal experience with Spice Girls and feminism, I will say, and this was a take that I saw across several articles, because I read probably, like, 
six or seven articles about this. And um, I will say that this was a take that I saw across several of them, that this was kind of the first introduction that a lot of kids had to feminism, little girls had to feminism. And so... When we get into the criticisms later on, which I think are very valid, mm-hmm. there's a lot of valid criticisms to uh, this kind of girl power, consumerism, yeah. feminism. Uh, I will say that as like kind of a starter to introduce young girls to the concept of being powerful yeah. and female friendship and like all of those things yeah. that the Spice Girls were a good introduction They to were. That. And I I had a, a very similar experience. I, you know, I listened to that CD probably for a year mm-hmm. straight, their first CD. Like, I don't think I listened to anything else. I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. And I was taking in all of these messages without really having an intellectual understanding of what any of it was or what it meant. But I remember singing, like, you know, keep, keep your mouth shut, keep your legs shut, go back against the wall. And, like, just kind of hearing these things and, like not fully understanding what these words meant, but understanding that I needed to stand up for myself, that being a girl was cool, and that right. I could be like baby, I could be like sporty, I could be like both, I could find you could be like identities. Posh. Exactly. So there was... and, and your and your authenticity and your identity is valid no matter yeah. what it is. There what kind of girl you are. A lot you know? of understanding there Yeah, that's exactly right. Where it was like you could be a tomboy. Because I think for so long we had this understanding that to be a feminist or what a feminist meant was to be anti-feminine. Yes. Uh, And this kind of gave us the ability to look at something or someone who is very feminine and say that they are also powerful and Uh they're powerful in different ways and they're not only powerful because of their sexuality because also I feel like (laughs) there was a lot of, well, you can be a powerful woman and be sexy, but you're power comes from being sexy. Yes. And I feel like they kind of defied some of that. While there, of course, were sexy outfits and there, oh, were, yes. there were things like that, I never felt like it was exploitative. They were just um, being themselves. Right. You know? And all of it was valid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's let's jump in. Is Would you mind if I started with how the Spice Girls got started? Please, please do. Because I think it, it lays a very good uh, ground for how, what they became. Yes. So... In the mid-90s, these guys, Bob and Chris Herbert, who I'm going to refer to as the Herberts, they are of heart management. They decided to create a girl group to compete with all of the boy bands because there were too many. Age, yes. so many boy bands, it's uh, insane. Yeah, because this is around the same time as NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, yeah. uh, and the 90s were rife with them. And in, 98 Degrees. And in the UK, too, there was mm-hmm. a ton of their own yes, boy bands yes. and stuff. So in 1994, the Herberts and their financer, Chris Murphy, uh, placed an ad, I wrote, Sheik Murphy. I'm going to guess that was Chris. <laughs> I might have a typo here. Uh, placed an ad in the Stage magazine asking for singers to audition for a female pop group. Approximately 400 women were at this audition, where they were put into groups of 10 and taught a dance routine to the eternal song, Stay, followed by solo auditions where they performed a song of their choice. After weeks of deliberation, Victoria Adams, Melanie Brown, Melanie Chisholm, and Michelle Stevenson were among 12 women chosen for the second rounds of auditions. Jerry Hollowell was also in the second auditions, even though she missed the first one. So this group of girls were selected to do a group called Touch. They worked on demos, they worked on choreography, and then Stevenson was fired and was replaced with Emma Bunton, who would be known as Baby years Mm -hmm. later. 
And this is when Jerry came up with the uh, band, the Spice Girls. And the group was without a contract, and they were frustrated with the Herbert's direction with their group. They felt like they didn't really have a voice in where they wanted to go, and there was nothing concrete. Like, they were this group, and they had done all this stuff, yet there was no contract signed up. There was no anything going on. So, in 94, the girls started looking for new management on their own. They took to the streets and traveled around with demos and dance routines and literally just went door-to-door to different agencies. They're very lucky that they were able to do that because very often when you look at these uh, origin stories for pop stars, they're locked into these contracts where they're essentially owned by these people. So it's amazing that they let them go with their demos and and do this. Oh, I don't think they even asked. They were like, well, we don't have a contract. Oh, well, they didn't have a contract. They didn't have a contract, okay, well, so they yeah. just went. And then, but eventually they did convince Bob Herbert to do this showcase for like writers, producers, and um, other, you know, talented people. Um, and they received extremely positive reviews. And that made the Herberts really nervous because they were like, fuck, they we might actually them. be taken mm-hmm. from us. Yeah. So they immediately drew up a binding contract. And the girls weren't super eager to sign. They all contacted like their individual lawyers and were like, what should we do? And they did sign. But by 1995, they had left the Herberts and um, due to their unwillingness to take the girls in the direction that they desired and apparently they allegedly stole all their master recordings of their discography from the Herberts. Um, that very same day they started calling managers on their own again. Um, eventually Simon Fuller of 19 Entertainment signed the deal with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they were on tour in London and LA they picked up a new contract from Virgin Records and that is how they became the Spice Girls. They were going to just be called Spice but there was apparently also a rapper named Spice. <laughs> So they became the Spice Girls. So their first single was Wannabe. It was first released as a music video that played in the UK, and the video blew up, receiving up to 70 uh, views a week on different UK uh, television channels. Isn't it funny whenever, like, 70 views a week? Oh, my. I know, right? Whereas, like, nowadays, you need to get, like, a million views a day on YouTube for it to be worth anyone's time. But it's that they were playing it, like, 70 times a day, Mm -hmm. and that's crazy, Mm because, like, that's not up to the the person who wants to watch it. They just have to watch their TV and wait for it to come on again, you know? Um, Then the Spice Girls performed for different TV stations. They gave interviews. And the song was finally released weeks later, going to number three on the U.S. singles chart and then moving up to number one the following week and stayed there for seven weeks. And it eventually made it to uh, number one in 37 different countries. The Spice Girls became the biggest-selling debut single by an all-female group and the biggest-selling single by an all-female group of all time, if that makes sense. Um, (laughs) The next single was Say You'll Be There, then To Become One, and in November 1996, they released their debut album, Spice, in Europe. The sales on this album were crazy, and it was compared to Beatlemania, leading press to dub it Spice Mania and the Bad Five. Honestly, if you weren't a little girl during this time period, let me tell you, it was insanity. Like, I've never seen... I don't know. I mean, of course, there's other things. That, there was something similar, I'm sure, that happened with the generation yeah, like behind the us. One with Direction just, or With Justin something. Bieber yeah. or, like, whatever. But whenever I was a kid and you had to... I, I also... God, I feel so fucking old. But I also want to emphasize to our younger listeners who didn't live before YouTube and the internet, like... It was a much bigger feat for something to blow up like this. Because yeah. it's not as though I learned about the Spice Girls online or through social media or through watching YouTube videos. Yeah. It was like we all shared CDs. Yeah. Uh, and I took that thing with me fucking everywhere. everywhere. Right. But like I know 
in my mind's eye, I can picture exactly what it looked like. Yep. Uh, and it was just something that every girl bonded over. Like, yeah. I have vivid memories oh, yeah. of being on the playground and doing, I mean, clearly dance I, was, routines. I was scary spice. Yeah, I learned all of the dance routines. Yep. I saw Spice World in theaters. Um, yeah, it was, it was such a big, big deal. Um, and it's hard to emphasize that. Yeah, it was, it was huge. It was a phenomenon and girls wanted to be them. The boys thought they were hot. It was great. Like my ex, I remember told me that was like his sexual awakening was watching Spice World. (laughs) I know. I mean, it's true. And you know what? There was kind of like, um, even though you could say, I think probably the most sexualized ones were ginger and posh, although there's a conversation to be had, which I'm sure we will have in the, um, yeah, the way that they exoticized scary and also the way they infantilized baby and yeah. also sexualized her. So there there is there is some like sexualizing oh, that yeah. happened within the group, but I think overall, especially in the beginning, uh it wasn't so much that. No. You know what I mean? It, it became that because that that's how people portrayed them. They fell into those characters. Yeah. yeah. And well this leads me into my next thing which I wanted to talk about their names. And I read this whoever I can't remember the name of the girl who wrote this article, but it was on the national.com and it was part of their arts and culture section. And the writing of this is hilarious. So I do have a few quotes that this woman wrote and my own little tidbits. And this is all about how they came up with the names. So Melby, who was Scary Spice, told HuffPost Live, it was actually a lazy journalist that couldn't be bothered to remember all of our names. So he just gave us nicknames. And we were like, oh, well, that kind of works. I don't mind my name. Do you like your name? Baby? Posh? And we were like, let's just go with it. This journalist was Peter Lorraine. And Peter Lorraine says, Posh was the first one to be thought up because Victoria looks pretty sophisticated. The rest were pretty easy, really, because the girls' characters were already really strong. We laughed the most when we came up with Scary because Mel B was so loud and tried to take over the whole photo shoot. I mean, okay, here's the thing (laughs) about this. Even when I was a kid, I was like, this feels weird. Yeah. I I always thought that it felt strange that they called her um, Scary Spice. Because it's not the same as everybody else's names either. No. Ginger isn't either. Ginger isn't either. But also, yeah, those are the two where I feel like they relied very heavily upon, like... (laughs) Not that ginger is a slur, necessarily, but it's something that I feel like a lot of people up until the recent past have felt kind of um, sensitive about, like redheads that I know. There are some redheads that take... They don't like like that. It's racist. They don't like like it, right? Yeah, you know. And so um, there was that, which I always thought was strange. And then Scary Spice, while I thought it was strange at the time for reasons I couldn't articulate. Right. As I've gotten older, even though I've given in strongly to it, I was Scary Spice for Halloween this year when we went to, um, we went dancing on Halloween yeah. and I was Scary Spice. Uh, I've, I've totally, like, I, I love you it. Of course it. I embrace yeah. it. But there is this weird thing about taking the one person of color in the group, calling her scary, scary. and loud and intimidating and dressing her all in animal print yeah, uh, and making her do, like, a roar face yeah. or, you know, she's untamed. She's yeah. wild. Her, well, and, the, and they did that with her hair, too. Like, right. she, she didn't straighten her hair. Her hair was always which is great. big, and which is fantastic. But, right. but I feel like that's also possibly a comment on 
the scary because we were just talking in the mini episode about how black and white hair is treated very different. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you've spoken a lot about your hair journey when you were younger, wanting to keep it straight and right. um, to kind of assimilate with the rest of the girls that you grew up with, where by having her with her hair, it's one inspiring for young girls to be able to have their hair look that way. Right. But also, are they doing that to play into the scary aspect? I think it can be both because for me personally, was huge yeah. for me to have a black woman that I could look up to who looked like me. Yeah. I really felt like she looked like me. Like, we had very similar hair. Um, you, and you could easily play Mel B in a biopic. <coughs> easily. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I, I, did, I felt like she, she looked like me, and that meant a lot to me because a lot of black women in the 90s did straighten their hair or wear protective styles like Brandy. Yeah. Um, so I did love that. However, I do feel like they wanted to make her look as quote-unquote exotic as possible, yes. and they defined that exoticness as being scary. Yes. And that, to me, is problematic. Wrong. Yeah. Yes. So the woman who wrote this article that I was just giving accolades to says, Scary is confrontational and intimidating and wears scary things like big hair and tight halter tops. She is also black, which makes people uncomfortable. She once told Prince Charles to get his tongue pierced. <laughs> And that's scary to the media. You know, and I do love... That was another thing about the Spice Girls. We're just going to come across things as we move through notes, I'm sure. Uh, But there was this feeling that they they could kind of do what they wanted. And to a young woman, that felt very empowering. So, like, for instance, you know, Scary Spice telling Prince Charles to get his tongue pierced or Sporty Spice whenever they won their Grammy, you know, talking to Oasis and being like... Noel, come and get me, or yeah. whatever she yeah. said. She said, you know, Liam, come, Liam, come get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, if you want to have a go, we'll have a go. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, to me, that felt very empowering, like, yeah. as a young like, woman. Like, you can talk to boys that way. You know, right. like, you or can call a boy out, you, you know? You can say what you want, and yeah. you can be who you want to be, and you, there's no rule book for how yeah. you have to behave. Exactly. Which was you know, inspiring. It's totally inspiring. So Baby is the youngest of the Spice Girls and is infantilized as a commentary on the methods of oppression that the patriarchal society enacts not just mentally or physically, but psychologically on women, which I I see this playing out in a lot of young celebrities today. I think Dove Cameron does this a lot. Do you, are you familiar with I Dove Cameron? I have no idea who that is. Okay, <laughs> so she was on Disney Channel. She did a TV show, and then she was in the movies The Descendants, where it's like the kids of, okay. the, mm-hmm. of the Disney villains and princes yeah. and princesses. She's gotten, you know, big lip injections, big eyes. She dresses very baby girl, kind of. She has that vibe of right. very, of like a and Ariana Grande's done this a lot, too. Yeah, I have to say, you know, and this is, again, we're going to, as we move through, we'll find things that we yeah. <laughs> really like about the Spice Girls and things that we consider to be criticisms. And I will say, to me, a sexy baby yeah. grosses me out. It, yeah. it, it It's problematic to me in a lot of ways. It I don't is. like this idea of, like, um, it's the same thing I felt whenever there was a 16-year-old Britney Spears in a Girl Scout 
or girl, Catholic school, school girl uniform who yeah. is deliberately trying to be super, super sexy, but also I'm, I'm young. I'm a young teenager. But a lot of that is very much like that was very popular at the time. Those are two women I get from it. the same kind of time where I think it, I don't think it was necessarily even the girls that were like, I'm going to rock this. Oh, no. It was like, but that's the problem. It was the men at, on the top right. saying, and this is going to get us. To me, that's popular. the issue, right? Yeah. Like the fact that she kind of like gave into it, played into it. That's neither here nor there. That's yeah. her choice, uh, you know, ultimately at the end of the day. But the idea that this, like, sexy baby thing is supposed to be hot. Well, um, and she always had a lollipop in right. her mouth. Yes. Very, like, doe-eyed. Like, I don't know anything, which is something yes. that, like... I I'm I've, dumb and isn't that hot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can take advantage of me maybe because right, I'm, because I'm, I'm stupid. stupid. Yeah. And, but, I mean, what I love is that baby wasn't stupid. Like, right. if you watch Spice World, you know baby's not stupid. Baby's very right. smart. And, and she did use that to her advantage. She did. Which, again, so, yeah. So, there's, there's a lot of things to criticize here, right? Yeah. Like, which we're examining, which, again, I do, I do not like the concept of sexy baby. I think we need to, like, throw that away. Yeah. Ariana Grande did a lot of that. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. And in the 90s, there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, pacifiers were big. Yep. <laughs> like, because people would be on E at clubs. And so, like, ravers would have pacifiers and things like that. And I yeah. think Baby did have one. I think she did, um, too. So, like, that whole thing was happening. But sexualizing this very young kind of uh, girl, I don't like. Yeah. However, I do like within this kind of, like, girl power sphere of feminism that... Um, Spice Girls were trying to emulate that within that she kind of pushed against it Mm -hmm. in that like I can use them underestimating my intelligence to my advantage yeah because they think I'm dumb so that I can like get the upper hand on them yeah so you saw that play out in the movies and in interviews yeah exactly because I I love Emma Bunton I think she's fantastic oh I I do too um it took me uh probably 20 years to realize that Ginger Spice is named Ginger Spice because she has red hair (laughs) didn't make that connection as a child whatsoever um she is the oldest and the most voluptuous of the group. She is probably the sexiest. She used her sexuality yes. very much to her advantage. Yes. And when she met Prince Charles, she left him with red lipstick marks all over his face. Right. So, like, <laughs> I, I loved that, too. I loved that there was this kind of image of sexual women, uh, especially... Ginger. Ginger was by far, I think, the most sexual, yeah. overtly sexual, uh, and the one who I feel like most of the boys in my class had crushes on. Uh, so I, I, I liked that she was able to kind of embody this level of sexuality while also... Um, remaining very very powerful it wasn't this thing where it was just like she's a slut so we can disregard her yeah she never she owned her sexuality yeah and i don't even really remember that being like a slanderous thing that was said about her when i was younger neither i i love that you know my mom was so uh supportive of me loving the spice girls so much and that i you know i think that there are a lot of parents who probably would have been like it's too sexy i don't want my kids like seeing it but i like i like how powerful she is with her sexuality and she she was one of the more vocal ones too like she in was interviews unapologetic and, i feel yeah. like the mo- 
More often than not, when you heard somebody say girl power, it was Ginger. Ginger. Like, more often than not. She was the one who did the peace sign girl power all the time. I did that in every photo growing (laughs) up. The double peace signs on your one knee. Every family photo is me doing that. Yeah. Um, I just realized I have my girl power pop socket. Love. Yeah. My fave. So, obviously, Posh is Posh because she's fancy. She's upper class. She loves luxury. Sporty, who I would say is the best singer of the group, uh, loves to do cartwheels and wear her... Ath- her her athlete sure wear athleisure <laughs> at, i know but look at how it's athlete sure athlete sure she loves to do cartwheels and wear athleisure wear before it was cool right <laughs> yeah i mean i i love it i love that they kind of like went in they went all in on these personalities yeah uh, i also thought it was interesting that they did not intend to be a feminist group. No. It's something that kind of happened. So, Mel but C... I, I think that was... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt okay. you, but I think it was something that they started doing without realizing it was feminist. I mean, I think that going out and taking your demos and your dance routines and going door-to-door uh, and wanting to take charge of your career is inherently a feminist I, I think thing. And I yes. think that it makes sense for that to be their trajectory, even if that wasn't their idea I, I think it's uh, tenacious, yeah. you know, and I think it's ambitious. Yeah. Uh, and I think that those things are oftentimes construed as feminist yeah. because we are not used to women um, taking control of their own destinies in exactly. that way. But Mel C., who is Sporty Spice, she explained recently in an interview that their famous slogan of girl power kind of came as a reaction uh, to the discrimination that they experienced. So yeah. we had talked earlier in the episode about how the 90s were definitely the boy band Mm -hmm. terrain, right? Like, it was mostly about boy bands at that time, and they were being snubbed pretty constantly as far as, like, being put on magazine covers uh, and things like that. And she said, Girl power was something that we never intended. When we started, we were a pop group, and we just wanted to sing and be famous and travel the world, and we never really thought about that side of things. But as soon as we were heading into the music industry, we started to be faced with more sexism. We were told, girls don't sell. We would go into magazines, and editors would tell us, we can't put you on the cover because we won't sell enough magazines this week. So, I mean... Obviously, they heard all of this stuff, and it pissed them off, which it would. Yeah. And so she said, um, that really made us have a bee in our bonnets, and that's when we started talking about girl power. We realized we had something really important to say. It gave us even more determination to succeed because we realized very early on we weren't just doing it for ourselves and each other. We were doing it for the girls. Yeah. And then she added, being told we couldn't do something was a red rag to a bull to the Spice Girls. I love it. Which I love. And I think that 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 came across. Like, when you watched it, it made me feel very determined as a person. Yeah. It made me feel, like, as a little girl, I was just like, yeah, I can do anything I want. I can say whatever I want. Uh Uh-huh. Because human beings, because girls are fully formed human beings. Exactly. You know? Not only, you know, boys can have opinions. We can have opinions, too. Baby Spice actually said about the whole girl power thing in 1997, that girl power is about being whoever you want to be, wearing your short skirts, your wonder bra, and your makeup, but having something to say as well, which I think was kind of a radical idea at the time to see somebody who could be both sexual and girly and, like, pink and sparkles or or be a tomboy and, like, sports and have them all be able to coexist together and have a love for each other and a friendship. And also to say that, you know, you individually can love makeup and be girly and still be a very strong badass feminist. Right. I think there was a, 
a big, um, for me at least, the 90s in particular, and I think it may have started with the Spice Girls, there was this realization that all these different kinds of people can be friends. And I guess it had started before that, right? You can watch the facts of life and you see that happen where you've got a Blair and you've got a Tootie and you've got like all these different people. But the Spice Girls really did kind of embody that idea that like you can be a sporty Spice and be best friends with a posh Spice and you make each other better. You do. And that was the kind of, that, that was the kind of takeaway that I got whenever I watched the Spice Girls, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's interesting because the Spice Girls came after, like, you know, Bikini Kill and Riot Girls mm. and all that kind of stuff. But that was very much, it wasn't a mainstream feminist group. It was a very specific type of... Well, it was commercialized femi- feminism, which has Well, its... the Spice Girls were commercialized, yes. right? Yeah. So the other groups were not. They weren't as, like, mainstream and popular. And so some people are like, well, they ripped off Bikini Kill... Or you could say that they made a lot of the ideas that they were getting from these people more accessible to young girls and to a wider audience. Right. I've actually seen it called um, a Trojan horse for feminism, right? Because it was a time in the 90s. It was a disguise for everything else inside of it. Absolutely. Like, in the 90s, when feminism was still a dirty word to a lot of parents and a lot of people who may not have been open to their young daughters really kind of, like, um, taking in this information, this was an easy access point. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, the Spice Girls did not come up with the slogan girl power, no. right? Like, that was something that was originally printed in Riot Girl zines yeah. and then went on uh, within the pop punk scene at that time. Girl power uh, was something that, that started there. Yeah. But for better or for worse, they they kind of exposed that concept to a wider audience. And I think it's net positive. Mm-hmm. Now, we will soon get into some of the criticisms of consumerism uh, and commercial yeah. commercializing this feminism concept. Yeah, there is a weird line between, like, you know, can you be a feminist within capitalism kind of idea, you right, know? Right, right. It's kind of like that idea where there's, like, no ethical consumerism under capitalism, yeah. which is a very, like, socialist idea. Uh-huh. But there is something to be examined there. And there is something to be examined as to whether or not, like, are these people who really believed in these these things that they helped perpetrate uh, or perpetuate, rather, or is it something that they did as capitalists to make more money and to be f- yeah. more famous? What or- do you think they did? I mean, I will say, based on kind of the research I did for this episode, that I think they have a very second-wave feminist view of their actions, like, uh, because they don't really want to be called feminists. Yeah. Uh, well, but that was also very common at the time. Right, but even now. Even, like, oh, I've, okay. I've, I've read some quotes, which, um, you know, I'll just talk about now, actually. So last year, uh, Mel B, who is Scary Spice, she was quoted as saying, I wouldn't call myself a feminist. I try and live by the girl power motto. It's about believing in yourself, no matter how bad a day you're having. And a lot of people heard that, and they thought, like, is this just someone who doesn't understand what feminism is? That's kind of what it sounds like to me, because when she's saying she lives by the girl power, you know, kind of motto, I believe that a lot of what they stood for, even if they don't label it as being feminism, they they were doing feminist things. You know, right, it's kind of like right. Dolly Parton, too, where she doesn't label herself as a feminist, but she is. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do that. Judge Judy, a lot of people do that. Yeah. And I think that 
but for those people, like Dolly Parton, Judge Judy, that's coming from a very, like, old-school mentality. They're true. much older people. That's true. So to see it coming from someone like Mel B, who is maybe, you know, she's... She's not that much older, you know? She's my... She's younger than my mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, to see it coming from her is a little surprising. I mean, it's less surprising to me that... Posh Spice back in the 90s was asked, you know, because, of course, girl power was on everybody's lips, and that meant feminism to everyone, so they were asked very constantly about their beliefs as far as feminism was concerned, and um, in the 90s, Victoria Beckham said that she wouldn't call herself a feminist, and that she, quote, I like a man who opens doors for me and buys me flowers, and again, that those things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. And I think that there was a misunderstanding of what that meant. But because of this, because these are people who wouldn't call themselves feminists, it then leads me to believe if they were leaning into and capitalizing on the idea of feminism, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I think they believed the things that they were saying as far as, like, girl friendship, girl power, in that way. They believed they were strong women. Right. But also, did it benefit them to, like, lean into this idea of, like, we're feminists without but, having to accept the responsibility of putting the label on themselves. But then wouldn't that... But then wouldn't they be more inclined to put the label on themselves because they wanted to lean into that? Or do you think they didn't want to lean into the feminist world? They just wanted to... Fo- I mean, I think that they were focusing very much on girl power and they wanted to differentiate between what girl power meant, girl power meant and I feminism. I think so. I think they wanted their cake... I wanted. I think they wanted to have their cake and eat it too, yeah. right? Like, so they wanted the aspects of feminism that they thought were widely accepted and acceptable. Yeah. yeah. But they didn't want to tie themselves to a word that they felt like had a lot of other caveats. Yeah, and it's weird because you know you said that their uh, their displays were very much like a second wave feminist would, you know, but it's interesting how they kind of opened the door to the fourth wave a little bit because a lot of the things that they are discussing, you know, like they talked about being kind to the planet. They talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, different types of girls and accepting other girls no matter who they were or what, you know, anything like that. And I think that opened the door to people like us Mm -hmm. being raised kind of into that fourth wave and having those ideas not seem strange to us. Because, again, like, when you talk to millennial women, so you and I, women in their late 20s, right, early 30s, when you talk to us, people of our generation, and our introductions into the ideas of feminism, girl power feminism, 90s girl power feminism, Spice Girls feminism, it's a huge introduction into the world of feminism. Yeah. It, it's it's part of what allowed us to enter into that wave. And without millennials, without millennials believing in feminism, there would be no fourth wave. I agree. Right? And I think so, that they have a lot to to do with that with a lot of young girls. Right. I, and I do too. And, you know, more specifically, I think that there was actually a part of Spice World in which uh, Jerry or Ginger Spice actually scares away a suitor by telling him she's a feminist. So she does use the word in the movie uh, and kind of owns that word in the movie. And it felt like a very powerful thing. It felt like a thing that was just like, oh, they're scared of feminists. And to, you know, eight-year-old me, that was like powerful. (gasps) Yeah. Right? I was like, oh my gosh, I can use that. It's part of, like, strength. Well, and there is that thing, there's that that idea that feminists don't like boys. 
or don't like men, Mm -hmm. where people are like, I'm not a feminist, I love men. And I think that that was definitely an idea in the 90s. Yes, absolutely. That it was like, well, I can't be a feminist because I like men. And I, you know... If you go back and listen to our Waves episodes, so some of the very first episodes we ever released, and when we do the third wave, we talk a lot about the introduction of misandry into feminism. Yeah. And that is something that happened, where it was, now we are seeing the pendulum swing very far the other way, because we have been so mistreated for so long Mm -hmm. that women were starting to feel like, you know what? Fuck dudes all together. Yep. And so I think that that kind of mentality led people to believe that feminism and misandry were equal. Yeah. And they were the they same were thing. They were one and the same, yeah. And that's not, not the case. Um, so Jerry, Ginger Spice, she was also, you know, kind of asked about feminism back in the 90s when all this was happening. And it's just, it, it's kind of clear to me... This is why I think that, in large part, they fell into this, uh, because it's clear to me that it it wasn't kind of like a purposeful political statement, Mm -hmm. because Jerry didn't seem to really understand the concept of feminism, but what she did say was, I don't really know much about history, but I knew about the suffragettes. They died to get a vote. You remember that and think fucking hell. (laughs) And then she called Margaret Thatcher the original Spice Girl. (laughs) you know, so she didn't have, like, a very thorough understanding, but she had, like, a very but she's basic... Very, and very honest, too. Right. Like, she she's wasn't got, pretending to be anything she wasn't. Right. I love her. She's got such a basic understanding of, like, look, man, there were people who died for our right <laughs> to, like, vote and be here and stand in front of you in underwear and say, yeah. go power. Like, yeah. that's great. You know, and so... there, it's Remember our foremothers, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Margaret Thatcher, the original Spice Girl. Yeah. So that there was so there was an entire generation that we are a part of yeah. that I think the Spice Girls helped us usher into the yeah. belief of feminism, the understanding of it. 100%. And yeah. and they also had such catchy fucking songs and mm-hmm. lyrics and so many messages. I would love to read some lyrics at some point that I particularly love and Absolutely. think are very feminist. Yeah. Um it's just they had such an accessible fun way of conveying something that was totally new to young girls, you know? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, there was the the idea of um, accepting your friendships. Your friendships are more important than your relationships, yep. which was not a message we were getting in the 90s. Oh, no. At all. No. Like, you know, so this idea that was just like, hey, if you can't get with my friends, then we're not going to be together. There was that idea. There was the idea of consent uh, that kind of, like, rang throughout some of their their works. It was the idea of, like, being in control and, and, of your relationship and your sexuality. Yeah, and, and being empowered by your own body. They have yeah. a song called Naked Yeah, that they would perform nude. And it's just, they had, like, such a very forward-thinking idea there, I feel like, for being empowered by nudity or being empowered by being covered up or being empowered by having these personas and really being who you are that I think was something that wasn't very common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to talk about more criticisms? Yeah, let's do that, and then we can end with, like, some more positive stuff. stuff. yeah. Yeah. So, as far as... There is this blanket criticism that I feel is valid mm-hmm. for 
capitalistic versions of feminism, right? Like, we see it even now. For brands like Gucci or, like, these big-name designers... Dior, I think, did some, too. ...to be selling shirts that say feminist on it that they're selling you for $300. You know what I mean? Like, this idea of it being a trendy kind of thing that you can capitalize on. Um, And, of course, we could argue all day about whether or not it is net positive or net negative because maybe it being a trendy thing is exposing young girls to this idea that allows them to go and, like, learn about it more, et cetera, et cetera. But, again, can there be any ethical consumption under capitalism? I don't know. And then in addition to that, the Spice Girls were created and owned by men. Yeah. So in large part, while, yes, we can say they had a lot of agency uh, and they... They really fought for their agency, They fought for their agency and they spoke a lot about their agency. At the end of the day, the people really making the decisions as to how they looked, how they were perceived, and their message were men. Uh, yes, team of men. A team of men. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, PR, all that kind of stuff, especially, you know, then, even now, is very male-dominated. Right, and so they're kind of, like, girl power. It, it, mantra felt like a little bit like a shtick. It felt like a commodity. It was yeah. something that was completely commodified, and it felt like a novelty act mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I think a lot of people kind of felt that way. I can see where a lot of um, older feminists at that time would be very annoyed at the Spice Girls. You know, someone right. who maybe is more of like a feminist educator or historian being a little frustrated with the Spice Girls. Right, because it feels opportunistic. Yeah. But then, I mean, all of it is so complicated, isn't it? Because then you have to say like, well, shouldn't we be rooting for their success? Yeah. I want them to make that money, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I want you to make money I want you, if you're spreading this kind of, like, message, great. We want to support you I want you to be successful. Yeah. I want to, like, you know, encourage fellow women to do things like this. So, fine. But I I do think it's interesting. It's a lot of people get very annoyed with things like this. But I don't really like that point of view either, because what what does that say? Is it supposed to say that, like, everybody who's a feminist is supposed to live in abject poverty um, and be a martyr for feminism? Is that what it is? I don't know, but at the same time, with them coming out and saying, like, I'm not a feminist, I don't believe with, I don't believe in the F word, or, like, all of those things, it then makes you think, is this just a play to make money? Right. There is a feminist author named Kathy Acker who says that the Spice Girls have the popularity and the popular ear that an intellectual, certainly a female intellectual, almost never has in this society. And she also admires the fact that they come from working class backgrounds. So that's the thing is where I feel like there could be some feminist um, authors out there who see a lot of their positives and how it is expanding this role of feminism in the mm-hmm. world. But also, you know... It would be like the next generation of feminists that come up and have something that we didn't have any part of and being like, wait, but that's not how we did feminism. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. I mean, there is a there is an element of intersectionality here. Right. Where it's just like because it doesn't look the way that I think it should look, that means it's not feminism. Right. Right. Which we talked about in our intersectionality episode with Beyonce is like is because what she is doing is selling millions of records. Yeah. uh, And she's doing it while wearing tight outfits. Like, does that mean? it's not feminism. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Right? Like, so I don't think that we can define it that way. I think the more valid criticism is to say that they themselves don't necessarily identify themselves that way, but then what comes into play is if you don't identify yourself that way, does it mean you're not? 
just because you say you're not a feminist, does that mean you're not one? Yeah. Because a lot of what they have done was net positive. Yeah. For the overall scheme of what the feminist landscape became and what right. it looked like. So, I don't know. I really don't know like yeah. what the answer to that is. Well, and I mean, I don't really think it's an easy answer. I don't think there is really is a simple answer. I think that people identify how they're going to identify themselves, but yet we can still applaud their their um, input into, you know, the feminism of the 90s. You know, we, right. they don't, we don't have Whether to... They, they don't to have to not, be the perfect feminists right. or anything like that. They still did a lot of good. Whether they wanted to or not, they changed the landscape. Yeah. Right. And um, it, it doesn't really matter at this point. I think you're not... Again, we just talked about this in our mini-episode. I don't think you're always entirely in control of your legacy. Right? Yeah. So, like... Whether or not they want to be labeled as feminists, they brought a lot to the table for, you know, future feminists. Yeah, they did. And I think that they will be remembered in that way Mm -hmm. a lot. So let's read some fun lyrics, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I like this one a lot. Because I'm choosy, not a floozy. I get hit and then I run with it. And that's in Last Time Lover. I like (laughs) I'm choosy, not a floozy. Um, what part of no don't you understand? I want a man, not a boy who thinks he can. And that's from the song Too Much. And they were saying they wanted a relationship and weren't about to compromise their wishes when they get into a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to love me, this is exactly who I am. I just want to address really quickly, since I can just see it coming in already. Um... The choosy, not a floozy line. Oh, okay. So, like, I think it's cool that because she's saying she has agency, right? Like, I get to make the decisions. But she's I make the choice. shaming floozies. I worry a little bit that it's a little slut shamey, but it is a, maybe a little slut shame. But if you want to be a floozy, be a floozy. Uh, yeah, I don't care. I think Sleep with whoever you want. That's true. I just thought it was a cute one. Yes, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Um, no, that's a good point though. Uh, this is from their song "Naked." This child has fallen from grace. Naked. Don't be afraid to stare. She is only naked. And another uh, line from that song is, I'd rather be hated than pitied. Maybe I should have left it to your imagination. I just want to be me. Um, I love the song Lady is a Vamp. There's a lot of cool lines in that song. Like, she's a Bond babe, kicks some ass, doctor no, this girl's got class, Charlie's <laughs> angels, girls on top, handbags, heels, and pistols rock. I love you that. You know, like, it's just, it encompasses so many girls different on types of girls. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I remember singing, like, kicks ass when mm-hmm. I was, like, five, being like, oh, I'm so bad. And then my, so one of my all-time favorite Spice Girl songs is Do It. Mm-hmm. I still listen to it probably once a week. It sucks me up. It's a good car song. And I love when they're like the, do what your mama said, I will not be told. And then it's what I said earlier, keep your mouth shut, keep your legs shut, go back in your place, blameless, shameless, damsel in disgrace. And it's kind of like, you know, we're told to keep our mouths shut. We're not. We're told not to talk. We're told to keep our legs shut. Don't be too sexy. And they're kind of like, be the damsel in disgrace. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's not who you have to be. That's not who you really are. Let society view you in any way. Don't let, you know, mama tell you that you can't be a certain way. Right. I just think it's cool. I love that. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the notes that I have. It's all the notes I have. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed walking down memory lane. I do want to add that there is an amazing 2016 YouTube video out there where they redid the wannabe music video with oh. different back. Have you you've never seen oh, this? Wait. Yes, no, I have. I have. I Sorry. was gonna say, I think we might have even like watched this together at yeah. some point and talked about it. Because it's like women from all different backgrounds. It's kind of um using that video to highlight a lot of the feminist issues going on with girls today. I love it. And it's a really cool video. Check it 
it out. Just look up, you know, wannabe Spice Girls 2016 or something, and I'm sure I love it'll it. show up on I YouTube. I love it. It's so much fun. It's such a great way to um, introduce uh, the differences in feminism from the 90s to now and the things we need to focus on. And yeah. Totally. And, you know, I will always love the Spice Girls. Me like, too. they hold a very special place in my heart. Um, there, again, there was nothing that. I, I don't think I've ever fangirled harder over anything yeah. in my life than whenever I was the ages five through ten. Yeah, uh, completely obsessed with the Spice Girls. I was also so. in love with Brian from the Bastard Boys during that time. The really, Spice Girls were my Brian. number one. Yeah, I cried when he got married. I was a Nick Carter fan, but see, I and I was talking to Max about this the other night. I never like the one that everybody else likes. Like, everybody loved Michelle Kwan when I was little, but I was like, I love Sasha Cohen because she's the under underdog. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I didn't. Love Nick Carter. I liked. I did. I really Ryan. liked blondes. I really liked well, blondes Ryan in the nineties. Blonde too. He had his hair dyed blonde, and his voice was the best. He was, oh, he was sexy. I was so sad when he got. I was like seven year old Maddie, like crying because he got married. No, those dreams are real. Like <laughs> those those fantasies of like maybe someday. Yeah, are real. They're they're real. You know real. that's why Katie Holmes married Tom Cruise. Yeah, no joke. Uh, gross. Didn't work out well for her. Gross. Gross. Anyway. Gross. Anyway. Getting off track. Oh, you guys, if you want to write us in, I want to know people's favorite Spice Girls, first of all, because everyone identifies with a different one. I, like I said, identified with Baby a lot when I was younger, but I am a Sporty Spice gal, 150%. Love her. Love what she stands for. Her voice is amazing. Love her so much. Uh, Is Scary your favorite, or do you have another favorite? Scary's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obvious reasons. I don't think I was given much choice in the matter as a child. Yeah. Uh, But then she became... I embraced it. She absolutely became my favorite. Yeah. Um, Mel B herself seems a little... I don't want to dig too much into her. Yeah. Because I'm like... I, Let's I just focus on the persona. She's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just I'll just focus on what she gave me whenever yeah. I was a kid and how she made me feel. Yeah. I think that my second favorite, I was bougie as fuck. So I really liked Posh. Oh, I was so annoyed by Posh when I yeah. was little. I, I mean, was so she's annoying. She's absolutely annoying, and she yeah. is in no shade. Easily the least talented. Yeah. Uh, one. Uh, but. I just really liked. See, I really liked mini skirts and high heels. So my second favorite is Ginger. Yeah, I, just, I freaking love Ginger too. I feel like my attitude is very similar to Ginger. Is the most fun. Yeah, I would say like she's the most fun of all of them. I would want to go out. Yeah. with an on a night in the town with Ginger for sure. If I could go out on a night, like in the town, on the town, on, on the, the town. town with Ginger and Scary. That'd be the best. Yeah. You know you're going to get into some shit. Oh, I would love to do Ginger and Sporty. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. It'd be wild. So I want to know who everybody's favorite Spice Girl is. Maybe what the Spice Girls have done for you. You know, we just like to have these conversations. It's fun for us. So go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter page at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. Go ahead and rate and review us on that business page and check with the fellow listeners on the group page. Did I say check with? Yeah, that's okay. Um, What else? Where am I? Oh, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And Reviews Day Tuesday will be up and running, I swear. Uh, Also, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. And we really appreciate it. That is all that we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Girl power. 
In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. It's intimate. And it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.